you're listening to The Dworkin Report. I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. Today I present to you an interview with Kirk Acevedo. Not only is Kirk a wonderful actor and one of the leaders of the national boycott of the Trump-supporting Jim Equinox, he actually is one of the first high-profile resistors in America, ever. Recently, more people got to know Kirk this week after he sent a tweet that went wildly viral, which reads, Yo, Stephen Ross, I just canceled my Equinox membership after 14 years. You will not use my dues to support a racist president. Along with a short video that echoes the rest of his post. Here's the audio. Hey, Stephen Ross. Go fuck yourself. Not many people know that Kirk Acevedo didn't grow up living a life of privilege before becoming a famous actor, but rather, he was one of the many talented people who overcame some real childhood adversity to become a nationally recognized performing artist. He told us that story too. But before we start, I'd like to ask you to check out the link to my new book series, Meet the Candidates 2020, authored by this podcast producer, Grant Stern. I'm the series editor, and each book starts with an essay that I've written about each candidate. The books are a wonderful portrait of each candidate, and Grant looks under every rock, search engine, and even into the Internet Archive to paint that portrait with lots of facts, policy, and the history that you need to truly understand the Democratic candidates for president in 2020. Check out meetthecandidates2020.com to see all of the books. In this podcast episode, you'll laugh, you might cry, but you'll definitely laugh. And you'll also learn that life isn't about your problems, but what you'll do to overcome them. Here's my interview with Kirk Acevedo. Kirk Acevedo, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm I'm doing well, brother. I'm doing well. I'm, it's good to be it's good to be had. So. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time. I know you're slammed with your schedule, but I appreciate everything that you've been doing, uh, resistance-wise, and pushing back against the administration and and standing up for those who who definitely need it. Um, I wanted to start by asking you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what it was like attending the LaGuardia High School of Music and Art in New York City, which inspired <laughs> the movie Fame, obviously. The Fame School. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I grew up in the South Bronx. I grew up all over the place in the Bronx. You know, we like uh, from, I would say, from five years old to 17, 18, I moved like 11 times and, uh, you know, had problems. Uh, as a little angsty kid and uh, found acting, which uh, steered me in the right direction. It was an outlet emotionally, you know, stuff like that. And so my mom took me out of, I got, well, I got kicked out of junior high school for fighting. And she took me to junior high school of uh, performing arts in East Harlem. And from there, uh, I went to LaGuardia, which is, you know, the fame school. It was actually the first year in the new building, which was which was right behind Lincoln Center, and so and then from there, just uh, you know, start. I went to conservatory four years at SUNY Purchase, started acting and uh, did plays, and then really got my first gig in a year out of uh, college, which was all. Wow, what was it that made you think like I want to act? Like, what was what was the moment where you were like, this is what I want to do? You know, you know, to be honest, you know, it's 
it might sound cliche, it's something that I actually always wanted to do. I just didn't know how to go about achieving that goal, you know, until I went to actually uh, uh, SUNY Purchase. I was 16 years old, living on my own as a senior in high school. Literally had, you know, my dad moved out and was like, you know, he just had a different marriage and uh, uh, had a half brother and, uh, you know, and I was, you know, troubled kid and uh, he he left me in the house by myself. And so my best friend who's actually visiting right now in LA, he, uh, I lived with him for three months in Brooklyn, in uh, Brownsville, and his mom was uh, a principal. Said, "Hey, I'm going to pay for your uh, your college application to go to SUNY Purchase because you need to be acting." And honestly, the main reason why I went to SUNY Purchase, and people don't believe this story, was you had three free meals a day. That is the truth. So, and then from there, you know, I just, you know, I love acting. I love the process. I love rehearsing. I love being around other actors and talking, you know, politics and art and history. And so, yeah. So you, you went into, uh, you, you went into acting obviously and full-time professionally, but at what point did you, um, I, I guess, what is it that informs and inspires your, your kind of political beliefs? What what made you kind of start on this political, not rampage, but more of speaking out for people? Was it early in life or was it more recent? Or You know, uh, my, my brother is just one of those people, you know, he, he served in both Iraq wars and stuff like that. And uh, he's... Uh, uh, customs official in New York City, and his from an early age, he was just a very righteous person. He's that guy that if he saw a lady or some individual being harassed or mugged or robbed, he's that guy that would jump in. So I, I've just always been sort of bred that way that if people need help, that you have to do what's right. And uh, so I, I think that kind of led into politics in a way. And it definitely, it definitely, uh, I guess I got more into it. I would say definitely this uh, in, in 2016. Right. Uh, just because, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny when people say, well, why do you have these feelings about our president, Trump? Well, I actually met him twice. So I actually have an understanding of who he is on a personal basis, just from a handshake, you know, just of who the man is. And living in New York City, we were privy to, you know, all his shenanigans, and you know, his the news articles about him. So we were pretty much well ahead of the curve on who he was. So uh, that was a big part of me having to voice my opinion and, you know, 
Well, now you've voiced your opinion on a level where it is internationally heard. Um, can you tell our listeners what made you want to speak out against Equinox and also to end your membership with them? Yeah, that was a, it actually was a really hard thing for me to do. I'm a creature of habit. So for mm-hmm. over 14 years, going to one place every morning was very difficult. I was like brushing my teeth. But, uh, you know, for Stephen Ross, uh, and obviously he has many different businesses that he accrues money and earns money from, but I, I just don't, I didn't want my my membership dues, which some go into his pocket, and he donates to a president that doesn't have my best interest. And uh, the the one thing that I could do that was the right thing was to say no. The most powerful thing that anyone has is, is just to say no. And uh, no matter how much it, you know, affected my way of life, which, like I said before, is, you know, I have OCD. I like doing the same things over and over every morning. I cup a coffee, brush my teeth, go to the gym. Uh, I had to make a statement and say that that is not okay. That my dollars, my membership dues can't go to a president who uh, is homophobic, who is uh, uh, racist, I think, in my opinion, and has a history of racism uh, for the last, I would say, 40 years. Uh I just had to make a stand and I held other friends who went to Equinox accountable. You know, I called them up, I sent them texts and I said, Hey, this is my tweet. When are you canceling your membership? And, you know, I would say about 95% uh, put a hold to their membership. And there was one or two that were, I was like, well, let me see what happens. Right. <laughs> Let me see if there's some contrition or just, you know, but I'm like, it's, it's too late. You can't wait. You wait, you're too late. Did you expect that kind of response? Because everybody I've spoken with, for the most part, about 90% of them uh, have said, you know, they saw your tweet and that kind of, kind of was like, wait, who's Stephen Ross and what's happening here? Some people who are out of the <laughs> loop of it and then they looked into it and they're like, oh, I'm not going to be involved with this kind of madness. And, and that, I think, corporations need to be held accountable when they have leadership like that, that wants to donate their money that they've made off of people and their businesses. Um, and so like, did you expect that kind of response when you tweeted out? I know I've tweeted things before where I'm like, I don't know if I'll tweet this or not, but then I send it and then it becomes viral. And I'm like, Oh God. Like, yeah. Did you expect that kind you of know, response? I, I actually, I, I didn't think it was going to go that viral. I didn't, you know, I, 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 I have a decent amount of followers you know, I don't have millions or stuff like that. But, you know, I expected it would catch fire with other people just because, you know, just Equinox in general, just, you know, just socially just the head of the curve. And there's, you know, a lot of liberals who go to the gym, a lot of artists. Uh, so, uh, no, to answer your question, no, I, I didn't think it was, but I was pleasantly surprised and I'm glad if, people listened and, and it changed their opinions. And the funny thing is I get, you know, once it goes viral, it, the, 
the responses then change and they become negative because, you know, just the Trump followers then tend to latch on and they send all this negativity. And the thing is, if I could make a, a decision to not have my money go to a certain candidate or a certain, uh, uh, that's my right. I could say no. And the same way they respond in these tweets that, you know, how dare I, I don't have this right. I absolutely have this right to say no and, and watch where my money goes the same way they do, you know? So the same way you could vote for whoever you want to vote for, you know, it's like poker, you know, people complain about, you know, you know, if you're in a hand and they complain about how the hell did you call with seven deuce and the flop is seven, seven deuce, they could do whatever they want. Right. They could do whatever they want, their money. It's the same thing. So I made a decision that I don't want my money going to that uh, president. Find out more about Meet the Candidates 2020, my new book series of voter guides authored by Dworkin Report producer Grant Stern. It's the only place you can read my opinion and a factual portrait of each major Democratic candidate in one place. Buy my new book now at the link inside this episode's notes or on Amazon. You can also visit meetthecandidates2020.com. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but you are one of the first uh, notable public figures or that, uh, famous people that have ever uh, pushed out the resist and resistance kind of mantra, hashtag, and, and everything. And that was, I think one of your first times was before inauguration, you were already speaking out against him, but before inauguration, and yes. you were amplifying the effort. Uh, can't thank you enough for that. But what was it that, what was the moment where you were like, Oh my God, like this is where you saw it and you were like, I need to push back against this in some sort of way. And then you started using obviously social media and talking to people. But like, was there a breaking point where you were like, oh, this guy is terrible? Well, I mean, listen, uh, the really was was the uh, Mexico tantrum that he threw saying that uh, they're rapists and they're criminals and some are good people which was just highly offensive as a Latino. It just was, you can't make these proclamations and just put a whole group of people in a negative light. And so that was really the turning point for me. I mean, I was never going to vote for him anyway, but that really set up red flags that he's definitely playing the race card. And, uh, I had to just somehow make a stand, and, and my first hashtags were definitely La Resistance. Right. Uh, and then, then obviously it changed. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, uh, but that really was the turning point for me. And, and, and I was worried because he does have a charisma, he is different, he does things out the box. Now, I'm not going to say he's a mad genius. Because he's not. It just works because no one has ever seen politics that way before. 
Right. No one's seen someone just be uh, truculent and just, uh, you know, abrasive. And uh, and it, it works to a certain base and to a certain group of people who feel left out, feel rejected, and that he's a businessman and that, yes, this is what we need to bring the economy back up, to bring jobs back to America. But the reality is his base, he would never, ever, ever, ever associate with his base. He's such an elitist. That is, that is beyond irony that this man who just, you know, is, is always touting his base. He would never even socialize. He would never even shake hands with them. He would never even, it's, oh my God, it's, the hypocrisy is just, I mean, yeah. Well, and so in regards to Trump's response, let's just give an example of his hypocrisy or failures uh, in, in his response to Puerto Rico, especially since you have family ties. I think it was your grandparents. Your, your parents were born in New York, I think, right? And um, Correct. My, son, my, my, my dad was born there. My mom was born here. Both grandparents were born in Puerto Rico. Right. What do you think? What do you think about his response to the hurricane? Well, you know... That declaring it a na- uh, national emergency was it was it was just way late. I mean, I I I think he. I don't want to speak out of out of turn, not get the facts right, but I think it was like eight to ten days, and then Hillary uh, sent out a tweet to send a uh, what's the vessel, the emergency vessel that they send out. It's a uh, navy vessel. For emergencies, and then he sent it out, and it, it just was it was too late. The whole video of him, you know, throwing paper towels at the people. We don't need paper towels. We need water. We need electricity. And then the argument goes, you know, I think there's a triumvirate of three people that decide where the money goes to Puerto Rico, right? And that the actual governor and everyone, they don't decide where the money goes in Puerto Rico. So, you know, delegating the monies and where it should go, they're held accountable for this deficit, but it's really not on them. They don't decide where this relief goes. So uh, that was really alarming. You know, those people... They they get drafted in Vietnam War and World War Two, and they die for their country, and they can't vote on the island. Makes no sense. If Barack Obama decides to leave the United States and go to Puerto Rico and live there, and that's his main residence, he can't vote. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Yeah, that's a good point. If he has. He cannot vote. The ex-president of the United States, if he has no residency in mainland United States, he cannot vote in Puerto Rico. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. You can't vote in, 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 in you can't vote for presidency. You can vote for in the primaries, but you can't vote for the president. 
makes no sense. And we all know why they don't want to give us that that opportunity to vote because they know that those electoral votes will be what? (laughs) Will be blue. Right. So it's such politics being played with people's lives. And it's just unfortunate. It's, it's, man, it's, 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 it's really unfortunate. This episode of the Dworkin Report is brought to you by Resistors Like You. We aim to keep this show independent for as long as we can. Visit DworkinReport.com to see how you can help out. One of the best ways is by hitting that contribute button in the top right and giving what you can. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. Well, three last questions for you. These are these ones are more simple. You have two kids. Uh, have you gotten a lot of questions due to Trump's antics, like his loudmouthness, and of course his numerous scandals? Uh, for my children, yeah. Have they asked you a lot of questions about like what exactly is this about? Not understanding, maybe hearing things at school or seeing things on TV. Like, have there been a lot of things where you've had to explain to them this is not like a good thing for a good person to do or any, any questions that have been awkward? You know, my, my daughter is, you know, she's, uh, she definitely, uh, has my DNA <laughs> because in my personality, uh, she was at a private school. We had to take her out of this certain private school and in Los Angeles, uh, um, they prayed during the midterm elections that the president Trump would win the midterms, you know, the Senate and the house seats. And I just find that so offensive because already at an early age, they're trying to sway children politically. And, you know, since it's a private school, they can do that. You know, there's no, there's no uh, separation of church and state in private schools. They could do whatever they want. And I just found it offensive because let children politically, first of all, they're too young to really have an opinion because they haven't experienced life. They haven't paid bills. They don't have jobs. Uh, I just found it offensive because that's really my job as a parent to guide my child. And I just felt that they were swayed by child in a way. And, uh, you know, about abortion and how it's evil, Satan's work. And uh, so I had to take my child out of school and she came home crying one day saying that, you know, they made us pray in mass for the president, (laughs) which I just was like, this is, you know, what is our country? Our country's just so split in half, man. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just it's 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 really sad. Yeah, that's that's absurd. That that's the I've asked a lot of a lot of people on the show about that like, you know, if they have kids and uh, that is the most striking answer I've ever heard uh, by far. Like that is yeah, I don't know how I I know my parents would have yank me out of the school if that that had happened uh because they don't they don't want you to even 
I think in, in a lot of the people that I'm like an uncle to my nephews, nieces and, and whatnot, they all are on the same page where they just don't talk about politics inside the school at all. Um, Correct. But it's a Correct. public school, you know, but they don't they don't want they don't want them to have to worry about who's going to win the House of the Senate or who's in the White House or who's right. in Congress. Like, you know, they want them to worry about what their future is and, you know, studying for class Correct. and not not in their homework and not the rest of the garbage, yeah. you know, that's out there. I want, I want, I want you to teach my kids. I want you to uh, uh, help my children. uh with their, you know, their, uh, their syntax and their just, you know, history. You don't have to teach my children morality. That's my job as a parent. You know what I mean? Teach them what's right and wrong. That is not your job. So. Absolutely. Well, let's say, let's say when a movie does come out about the Trump administration, um, what role would you play, do you think, if out of this, this whole thing? Who do you think you'd play best in the administration? Or former administration, people oh. have been fired, people who quit the campaign, whatever. Who do you think you would play of the overall Trump story? Oh, there's two people, Lewandowski. I do a good Lewandowski. <laughs> yeah. I was doing so well. I'm, 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 uh, uh, and he'd be happy because I'm, I'm way better looking at him. So uh, that would be uh, I agree. a plus for him. Right. And uh, uh, what's his name? Who just came out? The former uh, head of... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Uh, Scaramucci? What's his name? Oh, yeah. Mooch. Yeah. Scaramucci. Mooch. 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 Mooch is a good-looking guy. He, you know, I, I could do Mooch well. Very charismatic. <laughs> Charming guy. He's a day late and a dollar short, though. But, right. uh, but that's how they all are. So, you know, the minute he turns against them, they flip. It's, it's, uh, but at least he flipped. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but they all flip. You know what I mean? So. And this is one of the biggest questions. And it, it, it's simple, though. Um, but, and I doubt he is listening. But if he were, what would your message be to Trump? You know, you're the president of the United States. You're the president of all the people, not half the people. You're the president of all the people. And sometimes you have to make concessions towards the other side. You know, there's never going to be a president. There's never going to be a politician that's, going to make everyone happy. It's impossible. There's always going to be some malcontent or malcontents. That's understandable. But for the most part, you're the president of all the people. And he's not. He's only the president for his base. He's the president to the base that uh, he wants to stand by him to get reelected again. And, you know, that's that's not how it is, you know. I can't think. You I don't enough. think he could do anything right. right. I don't think I could give him criticism on his politics or him being a xenophobe. Or it, it, he is what he is. I can't. You know, it's I can't change that tiger stripes. You know, if he has uh, racist tendencies, that's who he's going to be. 
That's just who he is. The only power that we have is the power to vote. That's it. I'm sick of, uh, you know, uh, you know, my only criticism towards media is they gave him a pass during the elections. They gave him a pass. And that pass was, well, he's not a politician. Well, he's a little bit rough around the edges. They didn't hold him accountable from day one. And they have to accept responsibility for that. They have to. So I'm not going to change who he is. I can't. He can't. The only thing that we can change is to get out and vote. That's the most power we have. Get out and vote. When 50% of the country does not vote, I and mean, personally, I think there should be some penalty, some financial monetary penalty if you do not vote. I really do. You should vote. People would turn out. I can tell you that. Yeah, I, listen, I don't care if you vote for Donald Duck. Just get out and fucking vote. But then don't cry when your person doesn't get elected. Don't complain when your person doesn't get elected because you didn't vote. It can get, uh, you know, yeah, that's what, that's what happens is people get elected and then they're like, why are all these new laws coming across? This doesn't represent my district. This doesn't represent the country. This yeah. is, and, and the, nope. this Supreme Court justice doesn't make sense. It's all stemming back to the nope. fact that those people were elected. And then if, if somehow also, if somehow we on top of that, if we get rid of the electoral college, that'd be amazing too. But that's never going to happen. That if that could happen, that'd be brilliant. But uh, if if someone could give me a history lesson or a political lesson on the electoral college, I understand it <laughs> on the basic level, but I just don't understand it. I just don't know why we have it. So I know why we have it. I just it just doesn't make any sense. I, a lot of things don't don't make any sense. I I wanted to thank you uh, not only for taking your time today, but when few people stood up, and I really genuinely mean this, I was on MSNBC. I was getting my start there in December of 2016, and rolling into January, and I was talking about this is when Trump said, "I have no Russian ties." That's what we started with is yeah. dealing with him having no Russian ties, and I was the guy out with the report saying, "Here's my report on his Russian ties." Like this is 40 pages of. 30 years of connections or whatever. Anyways, long story short, right. you were one of the few people who stood up and, uh, you know, kind of kind of started shouting out the movement and, and pushing back against him and turning it in from, you know, the uh, resistance or, or, you know, different resistance movements across the, the world and turning it into the resistance here. Um, you know, whether you like it or not, you're one of those leaders of the movement and I can't appreciate you enough. Um, and everything you've done, you're a patriot, and I, I just appreciate you, everything you've done and, and what you do. Oh, I appreciate that, brother. You're doing, uh, you're doing uh, the good, the good work too. You are on the right side of history, my friend. We both are. Thank you, Kirk. I appreciate it, Kirk, <laughs> Kirk Acevedo. My pleasure, brother. I want to thank Kirk Acevedo for taking the time. I want to thank my producer Grant Stern. You can follow him on Twitter at Grant Stern. You can check out our website at DworkinReport.com. You can take a look at our book series at MeetTheCandidates2020.com. And I know it's been a, uh, a long few months. It's been a long few years. 
but I just wanted to relay to everybody that uh, because of people like Kirk and others standing up and speaking out like yourself, we're going to overcome this all. I'm sure of it. It's a long road, but it's worth it. That's our show. Thanks again for listening. Onward!